0: Welcome back to Your Political Playlist. I'm your host, Emily Tisch-Sussman. With a new presidential administration and new Congress, there's a significant amount of work to do cleaning up the mess Trump left behind and enacting new policies. Every week, I'll be offering up bite-sized policy conversations from women who are leading the charge, either as elected officials, advocates, or policymakers. As always, all of our guests will be Women. Today, I'm thrilled to share my conversation with Robbie Kaplan, renowned lawyer and co founder of Time's Up Defense Fund. You probably know Robbie from her successful defense of same sex marriage in front of the Supreme Court in United States versus Windsor. Recently, she's been in the news again as her firm filed a lawsuit with the New York Supreme Court on behalf of Trump's niece, Mary, accusing Trump and his siblings of decades of financial fraud and civil conspiracy. She also represents Eugene Carroll, who accused Trump of rape and is now filing a defamation case against him. Robbie joined me live to talk about why we can't just move on from Trump just yet and her role in Time's Up. Today, I'm thrilled to share my conversation with Robbie Kaplan. We're so happy to have you join us. It's good to be on. I am a longtime fan, first-time caller. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> That's us. That's insane, but
1: okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have, I mean, this timing could not be crazier to have you with us. We are entering impeachment number two. And the big question that is o- overhanging all of the impeachment is exactly what you have been working on in your lawsuit, which is right. legally, how do we hold Trump accountable? Like, I think we've all gotten a little bit numb to the craziness and it, we've lost sight of like what is legal, what is not legal. And right. so it, can you help us to understand how sure. can he be held
1: accountable? Sure, so in terms of actions relating to the presidency and actions that he took as president within the political sphere, hopefully, who knows, but hopefully convicting him of the charges for which he was impeached. Um, The reason for that is the founders and the law subsequent to that uh, wanted to give, I'm not sure they completely ever envisioned a president like Trump, but they wanted to give the presidency and the executive branch a significant degree of birth of, of room to do what they needed to do as president to make policy, to run the country, to run foreign affairs, et cetera. And when a president takes the kind of action that Trump took on January 6th, which was essentially inciting an insurrection. The single best remedy for that is probably impeachment. Um, Trying to bring criminal charges relating to that action, uh, in my opinion, would be very difficult. It's not to say it's impossible, but very difficult. Um, The treason and the sedition statutes, I think last time I looked, hadn't been used in this country really for over 150 years. Uh, And that's because we have strong free speech protection. So he would have a strong First Amendment defense that he didn't realize what they were going to do, that he was just talking in the language, the hyperbole that he normally uses. He didn't really mean it. He was just kidding, yada, yada, yada. And for a criminal trial, that would be, you know, a, a relatively strong defense. But that is not a defense for impeachment at all. Because with respect to impeachment, the question is, Did he commit a high crime and misdemeanor as contemplated by the founders? And that means doing something that is inconsistent with the office of the presidency. So giving a statement or making the kinds of statements that he has made, refusing to agree to the results of a completely fair and proper election, that kind of conduct fits more or better within the square peg of impeachment than anything else. We have at least two other ways. Shall go on? I feel like I'm getting lost. Yeah, no, no.
0: This is so so helpful. I just want to ask you a question about that on the First Amendment piece. Yeah, because you, so you're saying that he would have a fairly strong First Amendment defense in a criminal, correct? In a criminal case. So his lawyers are now saying that he would like to use a First Amendment defense in an impeachment. Now, first amendment does not mean you get to say anything anytime any place. Like there sure. are actually limitations to what you can say. Do you think that those limitations could, would actually be used in an impeachment case or do you think he gets to say anything anytime any place?
1: Yeah, I, they will surely be used in the sense that I would expect his lawyers to say the two words first and then amendment. Someone should keep track, but I would say arguably not a drinking game. I don't want to <laughs> arguably hundreds of times during the trial. And they will say that's a defense, but it's not a defense because again, the standards for impeachment, first of all, it's not beyond a reasonable doubt, which is a standard that's required in any criminal case. Um, and the standards that the con- that the framers had in mind was something that's inconsistent with your constitution duties as president and saying to your followers, telling the lie after lie after lie that this election is fraud or phony or they stole it, and then inciting your followers to go to the Capitol and fight. That's exactly the kind of conduct that the if the founders didn't have that in mind, I don't know what they had in mind in terms of what would be impeachable. But again, for, for a, a beyond a reasonable doubt criminal indictment, you would have to prove a far greater connection between what he said and then what happens, which may well exist,
0: we don't Yeah. Know that so that's been a real question for me. I'm going to like dust off my very sure. dusty legal hat and remember that, um, that it does matter in some cases if something actually happens from your action or if right. you just said it and something didn't right. happen. Now, something did happen, an insurrection right. happened. Does that matter?
1: So the, the leading case on this is the case of Brandenburg versus Ohio. And kind of the, the lesson that's taught in law schools upon Brandenburg is that it's got, the risk has to be imminent. So the, the story that everyone uses, if you yell fire in the middle of a crowded movie theater, which no one can, can go to right now, but if you if we were back in normal time. I know you're using a very old a reference. Theater. No one exactly. can relate to that one. <laughs> um, and you yelled fire and everyone ran to the exits and someone was trampled. And you said that as a lie intending to commit harm. That would not have any free speech protections. It is entirely possible that that's exactly what Trump did on January 6th. The problem is, I think there's going we would require no, more evidence, more information, more work by investigators to know that. Um, but that standard is not the standard, as, I, as I've said a bunch of times now, that the Constitution requires for impeachment. I mean, after all, uh, when he was impeached for the Ukraine call, that was a call. He was speaking. He was exercising his right to free speech. <laughs> but everyone agrees that for a president to call the president of another country and get their help in trying to create a phony investigation of your run of the person you 're running against that 's not appropriate presidential conduct, and obviously safe, so too with January six okay, does that so make sense yeah that's
0: real that 's really helpful in understanding the difference between impeachment one and impeachment two right. that we 're going into okay so let 's get into your lawsuits and the lawsuits sure. from with your law firm law firm. These are the other ways that you are looking to legally hold Trump accountable for
1: his actions, so can you walk us through them? Yeah, so before we get there, there's one other way which may be the most important, um, but I'm not a prosecutor, so I don't have the ability to do anything about it. And that is prosecution by DAs, U.S. attorneys or others with criminal jurisdiction over acts that Trump took before he was president um, or, or acts he took as president that had nothing to do with being president, like tax fraud. So we know for a fact that the Manhattan District Attorney um, as well as the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, are investigating uh, whether Trump. Uh, for sure, we know they're investigating this. Whether the Trump Foundation, Trump Organization, had a practice of inflating its assets when it wanted to get loans on financial statements from banks, and deflating its assets when they had when they had to pay taxes on them. Uh, that's classic tax fraud. Um, it's very similar, actually, to the allegations in one of the three cases I have against them, the Mary Trump case um but they that is a real thing it's really happening we know they've hired accountants and experts to help them and he could easily be indicted for an act like that that again is out, more has to do with his business activities than it does with his uh duties or what he believed to be his duties as president
0: and so the fact that he was president would not shield him from that not t- shield him in a, any way a, a, trial could
1: go forward. Absolutely correct. And that's, I think, in a lot of ways, what he was probably been most scared of and maybe why he went so far as he did to incite an insurrection on on January 6th, because he was just petrified, I think, of those prosecutions.
0: Oh, to be able to stay president and then maybe not have to face. Correct.
1: Correct. Because while you're president, you can't face it. And another another potential criminal case is in the the illegal campaign case that uh, Michael Cohen went to jail for, making... Uh, payments to stormy daniels yeah that seems um, really sketchy um he trump is unindicted co-conspirator one in that case the indictment says there's a co-conspirator everyone knows it's trump so again theoretically at least um he could be still be indicted after now that he's not president anymore for that case although i think the tax stuff is far more likely again because hmm. it it's completely separate from anything he did as president Okay, so those are the
0: criminal cases. Now we'd love to hear about
1: your cases. So we have, I have three cases in my law firm against Trump. Uh, One, probably the most advanced and the the one that people most know about is E. Jean Carroll. Um, So the facts there are, many, many years ago, 20-some years ago, um, E. Jean Carroll was coming into the uh, rolling, the round roundabout doors at Bergdorf Goodman on 59th Street and 5th Avenue. Trump was coming out of the store. He, uh, hey, w- w- let me do it the other way. She was coming out of the store. He was coming into the store. He was probably coming from the Plaza Hotel, which he once had, as everyone knows, an ownership interest, and in which is like 100 yards away from that doorway. Um, they started to chat because they kind of knew each other socially, not well, but they kind of ran in the same circles. He said, will you help me look for a gift for a girl? She kind of joked and said, sure, thinking it would be a funny story to tell people later. Um, And to make a long story short, in the lingerie department of Bergdorf Goodman's, he forced her into a dressing room and raped her. Um, That story was told for the first time not too long ago when she wrote her book, um, what, what are men for, and the reason she waited so long to tell it is one, her friends, who she told right after this happened, told her don't do it, he will try to destroy you. Don't go to the, the prosecutor, don't ever tell anyone about this. And two, her mother, uh, who was a lifelong Republican activist and official in Indiana had died, and she didn't want to kind of further upset her mother at, while she was in hospice. Um, when her book came out, Trump did something that's very Trumpian, Uh, which is he went on a three-day defamation tear, for lack of a better term, uh, constantly over the course of three days defaming E.G. more and more. So among other things, he said he didn't do it. He said he never met E.G. before, had no idea who she was. He said that she wrote her book in a conspiracy with the Democratic Party solely to make money. And probably my favorite of all time is he said, oh, well, I, I definitely didn't do it because she's not my type. I guess implying that he'd be more likely to rape someone who was his type than someone who wasn't his type. So when he made those statements, as you can imagine, uh, it did great damage to EG. Not only does she have security issues, not only does she get just unbelievable amounts of horrible abuse from people on social media, et cetera, but she actually lost her job. Uh, She had been working as a a vice columnist for many, many years, and her contract wasn't renewed. So we sued him for defamation. Um, in New York State Court. Um, He used pretty much every trick in the book, uh, albeit successfully up to now, to delay that case. Um, And when we finally got to the point where we were going to get either his deposition and or a DNA sample from him, uh, because there was DNA still on the dress, unidentified male DNA still on the dress that she was wearing that day, um, he did this really unprecedented move where he went to Bill Barr Um, And got the attorney general to intervene in the case, say that it was really a case against the United States of America, not Donald Trump. Uh, The theory being that when Donald Trump said uh, "Eugene Carroll is not my type, that was part of his duties as president to make a statement like that. Wow. That's what the law would require for that to be true. Um, That issue has now been fully litigated. Well, not fully litigated. It's been litigated before the trial judge. Uh, The case was assigned in federal court to Lewis Kaplan, a very experienced judge, no relation to me, of course. Uh, And Judge Kaplan wrote a very lengthy, comprehensive opinion saying, no. (laughs) When you said that, that was not within your scope of duties as president. Um, You cannot be protected under what's called the Federal Tort Claims Act, uh, and therefore, the case should proceed. That decision by Judge Kaplan is currently on appeal uh, to the Second Circuit. Um, Trump has appealed two ways. First, uh, the Department of Justice appealed. They filed their brief a week before inauguration. I don't think that was a coincidence. Normally, when you're litigating against Trump, they do everything at the last minute, but they filed a very early brief a week before uh, he ended his presidency, and uh, he filed his own personal brief using the Kasowitz firm.
0: So does the Department of Justice now have to keep defending the case against no, you? No,
1: they have a decision to make, uh, absolutely, as to whether or not to continue uh, to stay in the case. And that decision, I think, will largely turn on whether they agree with Judge Kaplan uh, that when Trump made those statements about Eugene, he was acting within the scope of his duties as president.
0: And then the case is over? Or then, the case, then it goes to trial?
1: Um, if we win at the Second Circuit, uh, the case goes back to Judge Kaplan. We'll have discovery, which won't take very long. Uh, we'll have um, a DNA sample from Donald Trump, um, and we will go to trial. And that can happen very quickly because honestly, it's not that complicated. It's the classic he said, she said. Hmm. You know, either Trump is telling the truth or Eugene is telling the truth. The jury will be able to decide that. Mm-hmm. So that's case one. Okay. Uh, case two, which actually started before, that's the oldest case we have is a case involving, really, the Trump Organization. Uh, let, me, let me back up. In the Egan case, only Trump is defendant, obviously, because only he made those statements. In the next case, uh, the defendants are Trump and his three grown children, Eric, Don Jr., and Ivanka. And that case is about, it's very similar to the Trump University case, but it's about a, a scheme of conduct that Trump and his kids and his organization used after they really couldn't borrow money anymore for real estate. And that is to fraudulently promote and endorse products that they knew knew were false, that what their statements were making were false, in order to kind of trick unsophisticated, unsuspecting people who, based on Celebrity Apprentice, thought that Trump was the greatest businessman in the world. Um, So this particular case relates to an entity known as ACN, Uh, that supposedly sells cell phones, but really it's a a multi-level marketing scheme or a pyramid scheme. And we represent a class of really poor, working-class Americans, one being a a worker at a large store, another one being a hospice worker, I think a third is a furniture delivery man, who all bought into this so-called investment uh, because they heard Trump endorse it, and they all will say that they were skeptical, and then they saw Trump, and they invested their money. And so that case also is on appeal to the Second Circuit right now. Um, Trump there has argued that it doesn't belong in courts. It should be in arbitration, another tactic he's used over and over again. Um, I'm very confident that we will beat that, that ploy by them and that the Second Circuit will affirm us. And then we're going to go into discovery in that case. The key issue there is this entity ACN, was on Celebrity Apprentice twice. One was a doubleheader, a two hour show. Um, and we, the court has ordered us, when we go back to the trial court, has ordered MGM, which now owns the Celebrity Apprentice Tapes, to give us the outtakes for at least the two episodes that ACM was on.
0: Oh, so that's a big deal. People have been so talking about finding these
1: outtake for Celebrity Apprentice for years. Yeah, so, that'll, so if that happens, and I'm confident, well, that will be a very big deal. Um, and, but that case is gonna take a long time because it's very complicated and there's people involved all over the country um, so that case will take some more time. It's not as simple as either Eugene was lying or Trump was lying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third case, which is the most recent, relates to his niece, Mary Trump. Um, and there, I know everyone's familiar with what Mary has said about her uncle, and they've seen her on TV. But what this really relates to is when Mary Trump's father died, um, uh, Donald and his brother, Robert, who's now passed away, and his sister, Mary Ann, were appointed as trustees to look after... Mary and her brother and make sure to kind of guide them and safeguard their assets for them. Uh, Instead of doing that, they basically using the same kind of tax fraud tactic that we were talking about earlier, uh, really devalued the value of the assets her father had owned in his father's real estate business. And as a result, they cheated her uh, out of literally millions of dollars. So that's a case for fraud saying that you were supposed to be protecting me, you were supposed to be maximizing my assets, aunt and uncles, and instead you cheated me, lined your own pockets, and I want the money back. And so he can, he
0: can, I'm trying to think of, I guess the, the damages here for him potentially, sure. if he does lose, these are all financial, right? And Correct. he is able to be sued on all of these. Is it because he's not the president anymore? or you would have been able to go through with, I guess, the trials when he was president? Was he asserting that he couldn't be sued because he was president?
1: So we've, yes, in the in the EGIN case, he definitely asserted that. Um, we won that issue already because, in fact, the Supreme Court made it very clear in the Vance v. Trump case that we could go forward. But you're, you're raising a very important practical issue is, is that if he were still president, he would make it very hard to proceed. He'd say, I'm too busy. I have to go here, I have to go there, I don't have time. And as a practical matter, those cases probably wouldn't go to trial until after he's president. But I'm very proud to say we don't have that problem right now. So what kind of timeline, I know you've given us shorter, longer timelines. Is there any
0: ability to give us a little bit of timeline on when you think they're gonna start coming up?
1: So I I think we can expect a decision on the ACN case, the celebrity apprentice ACN case any day now. It's been argued before the second circuit. I would expect within the next couple of weeks, we'll have a decision on that. Um, The Eugene case is going to take longer on appeal because we have to give the new Department of Justice a chance to decide what to do. So that's going to be extended a little bit on the schedule there. Um, And in the Mary Trump case, they have all filed motions to dismiss the case. We're going to brief those shortly. And as soon as those motions are over, we'll we'll be able to get into discovery. So I'd say for each case, I'm thinking between between now and the next two years, I think we'll see We'll probably get to trial in most of them.
0: Okay. So even though I'm kind of dying to stop talking about Trump, I am so appreciative that you are not that you are staying, <laughs> you are staying on yeah. him um, and holding him accountable. So thank you so much. This has been super, lawyer Robbie Kaplan. Is it's a pleasure to lawyer to be suing Trump. I'm Emily Tish Sussman, host of Your Political Playlist podcast. So great to talk to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Political Playlist. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Your Political Playlist, where you can see video of Robbie's interview and join us live to ask questions during future ones. For more from Robbie, follow her on Twitter at Kaplan Robbie. Join us every week for smart but bite-sized conversations with women at the seat of power and activism. Subscribe if you like us, leave us a rating and comment to let others know. Talk to you next time.